Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is The Guardian. Unless there was this catastrophic drop, it's probably just hypotheticals at the moment. It's two years out until there's a vote again. The big question is what the government do over this period, and that's where... Managing economy is going to be really important, as is delivering on climate action, voice to parliament, making our services work in aged care, early learning, disability, hospital system in general. It's a gumbo, isn't it? And at times different issues become more important than others. Hello, lovely potters, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Australian Politics, and as usual, I am Catherine Murphy. And uh, today is one of our bonus episodes. I'm calling these uh, your essential report. Once a fortnight, we'll be doing a deep dive into the latest Guardian essential poll numbers. And with me this evening, uh, as we are recording, is Mr. Essential, as I live and breathe, Peter Lewis. Bonjour, Pierre. Hello. Um, <laughs> I, I like to think I am essential, but not many people agree. <laughs> oh, no. Essential to this operation. Um, now, before we kick off uh, the chat, a quick reminder, because uh, uh, otherwise I will forget this, and it's actually quite important. If you're listening along with us, you can, in fact, see all of the charts for yourself in terms of the, the polling charts. If you go to essentialreport.com.au, I'm going to say that again, essentialreport.com.au, so you can look at all of the charts as we're going along. Also, I just remind you uh, that I I do a news report, which is published on uh, Guardian Australia website and apps every fortnight accompanying the poll numbers. So you can obviously have a look at that if you choose. And Peter also contributes a fortnightly column with his thoughts uh, about what the poll numbers mean. And those pieces are very easy to track down if you need them as additional uh, assistance during this conversation. So go have a look. So without further ado, let us crack on, sir. And uh, we'll get to kryptonite, which was your theme, yeah, (laughs) in your column this week. But uh, first of all, let's set the scene. What did we ask voters about this fortnight in this sequence of questions? And maybe just to pull down the third wall for um, listeners, Murph, you and I catch up on the off week before questions go in the field and have a bit of a chat about what we think is coming up in the cycle while it's in the field so that we're, you know, 
to, to build relevance and also to really be understanding what's in front of us. And last week you said, well, Philip Lowe's going to be in front of um, the committees a couple of times during the week and everyone's going to be very exercised about the um, interest rate issue. So let's unpack that. And I guess I tried to construct some questions this week that really came at the issue from three angles. One was, are people hurting? I think the second one was, do people understand what's causing the interest rates or what Mm -hmm. do they think causes it? And three, are they blaming the government or is it hurting the government at this point? So we go into our sort of different ways of asking questions, but they were really the three things we wanted to know. Are people hurting? Who are they blaming and why do they think it's happening? Okay. And then uh, so sort of still at the helicopter level, what's what's our what's the takeout? Like we're going to drill down into various, you know, bids, bibs and bobs in the poll. And I think there are some really interesting numbers in the poll this fortnight, but what's the sort of helicopter answer to the question? So I depends who you are, whether it's hurting or not. There are different cohorts in this society that have very different experiences of rising interest rates. We can talk about a bit that later. Um, two, do people know what the causes are? I think people get that there is a, a web of complex issues. Um, and thirdly, is it hurting the government? Not yet. And I'm not saying it never will, but a, a number of questions we asked indicated that the government is, I won't say good job of managing the politics, but I think they are not yet and may never take political heat. Mm, may never is... I oh, know that's a big call, but how, you know, no, I'm not. I'm not going to predict because we don't know how much further they're going to rise. Like, no, 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 no. And, and no. in our, my column, I do, you know, hark back to the good old days when Paul Keating presided over 17 percent interest rates. It's interesting. The narrative is on the number of very small incremental rises rather than the size of the interest rate at the moment, because yeah. without d- diminishing the impact, they are still at relatively historical low levels at the moment. Yes, yeah, no, no, that's all true. So, okay, let's step the listeners through who's copping the blame. We've we've sort of obviously foregrounded the government and we're going to come back a bit later on to the implications for Albanese, Anthony Albanese and these numbers. But let's just step through. So we basically said to people, interest rates are high, uh, what do you think's causing that? So the folks in our um, sample, what did they say? So we gave a number of options. We didn't make it open-ended. And then we asked people to rate whether it was from a lot to none at all. So in order, prices going up was the largest that was a lot. So people get that the interest rates are a a response to inflation. The second was disruptions in supply chains triggered by the pandemic. That was 37 a lot, 39% a fair amount. Reserve Bank overreacting, 36, and they're the top three. Then under that, federal government at 31, the war in Ukraine at 25, and wages rising too quickly at 15. So this is the helicopter we're still at because this is a representative sample of 1,000 Australians. But if you were to ask, if you walked down the street and said, why are interest rates so high, the average person would say to you because prices are going up And if you dug a bit deeper, they'd say there's disruptions in the supply chain and then they'd say, and the Reserve Bank has overreacted. And if that was what in people's mind, A, 
arguably there's a fact base behind it and B, none of those attribute the direct blame to the government. Yeah, but the government's in the mix. And in terms of... uh, We put them in the mix, but yes, they're not, they're not nowhere. No, no, no. But anyway, I I agree. I think there's, uh, if you look through the, the several questions that we put to people in this particular polling sequence, you'll understand uh, why Peter's basically of the view that it's not you know, it, it might be nipping at the heels of the government at this point, but it's not strangling the government at this point. But anyway, we'll get there. So um, now I think people will be really interested if we drill down a bit uh, sort of into this uh, idea that you floated a couple of minutes ago, which is that uh, your experience of cost of living pressure is situational to the extent that your views about how bad this is is influenced by your own circumstances. Now, this may not seem a you know massively great insight, but it is quite interesting. So why don't you step us through that? Mm. We asked a couple of questions to get this sense. So the first one is we've got this question we come back to regularly to sort of anchor the financial situation. We ask people what best describes how they feel about their current financial situation It's basically comfortable, secure, struggling or in serious difficulty. Um, The struggling at currently is at 40%, 12% in serious difficulty. That's one in 10. Well, that's one in nine, actually. That's up about 7% from the end of last year. But for renters without a mortgage, you combine those two and you're at 71%. um, And those with a mortgage, you're at 47%. The ones that stand out as not really being as affected, it's 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 still in the 30s for homeowners without a mortgage. That's it, people that have um, paid off their house. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's The point of this is that, yeah, the sort of situational bit, Peter's worked through two things there. There's a sort of regular question that we put in front of people, you know, to basically nominate, self-nominate how stressed they feel financially against different criteria. So there's that. And as Pete says, that's crept up over the, certainly since late last year. Now there's more people feeling acute stress. But also the interesting thing in some of the the cross comparisons is that that point about being situational, that obviously people with mortgages, people who have got home loans are obviously feeling more extended than people who own their homes outright. And then there's renters as well feeling extended. That's sort of the point, right? I mean, all of this is probably obvious, but it is interesting to tease out. Well, the jump out to me was actually we see interest rates being about the people with mortgages. It's actually renters who are more feeling vulnerable and feeling the hit. So in a way, the impact of the interest rate rises is broader than just mortgage holders. On the other side of it, older people that have paid off their mortgage and maybe living off their self-managed super are going to be net beneficiaries of rising interest rates because, you know, the economic system always tends to, in this country at least, seem to um, promote the interests of that particular cohort. And also I think too in terms of these sort of um, drilling down bits and pieces, we also uh, posed a number of questions about who do you think is best placed to manage various issues, you know, one of which is like rising interest rates, 
The other one's cost of living. Uh, and then, you know, there were a bunch of other indicators too. So interestingly, even though people are, like if we get back up in our helicopter again for a second and we conclude that people are sort of, in general, more financially stressed than they were at the end of last year, so things are sort of getting worse and people are, they're they're a bit cranky, obviously, with the pressure that they're under and that's one of the metrics of that is the supposition people have that the bank's overreacting, right, that the bank's doing too much, mm. right, that indicates people are frustrated. So, that's all happening. So when people get frustrated like that, often if we put then this back into the political crucible, right, often if people are frustrated, they start to blame the government and they start to think, well, the other mob would be, would be doing a better job than these people at managing these problems like cost of living and at the climate of rising interest rates. But people are not really in that headspace. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Well, it's... It's more profound, I think, than that. Um, I've banged on previously about the finger hut effect. I'll just quickly, um, the short version, this amazing old, um, and he is old now, Washington pollster Vic Fingerhut, who's been polling progressive politics for over five decades. The finger hut theory is that no matter the competence of um, a left-right political party, the right-wing parties are always seen as being ec- better economic managers and the left-wing parties regardless of how they do, are always seen as being deficient. So it is not just in this figure, which just to round it out, found rising interest rates, which um, party would be most trusted. It's it's 29-29 with 42 in the middle. So not only are they not in huge droves looking across the other side of the island saying, I reckon Angus Taylor will fix this, it's also that they are defying a law of political gravity that says that right of centre parties should be owning the economy economy. and they're not doing it at the moment. Um, In fact, on that the Libs are one point up on the better parties to reduce government debt, that's bread and butter, they're behind eight points on rising cost of living and on the the other stuff like job security and climate change and services, which Labor normally does well, they're streets ahead. Yeah, and also, again, you would expect if if normal kind of logic tradition holds that the people who are most stressed would be most inclined to look at the alternative side of politics and suspect they're doing a better job. That certainly wasn't the case when we sort of broke down, you know, people into categories, right? Are you are you a renter? Are you a current mortgage holder? Do you own your asset, right? Like the stressed, call them the stressed cohort, right? They were they were even less inclined to to Well, this is my favorite stat from this week's report. Um the only people who think like the the coalition as a group are better off at managing interest rates are those that have already paid off their home. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know how much um, equity and it might just be their older voters who tend to more likely vote. Coalition um, anyway. But it, it's a beauty. Um, it's interesting. So can I introduce the... Kryptonite theory uh, yes. at this point? No, or no, we... definitely. I mean, I was I, yeah. the only thing I wanted to flag really about Peter's column this week was whether it was appropriate to have both Superman and Batman in one column. I was, I was, I was well, slightly concerned about that, but anyway, he pulled it off as he always does. So but my Kryptonite. my research this week told me there was an episode in which Batman actually saved Superman. So everyone, 
who is we're going to get know, letters about hasn't this. just grown we're up. Get letters yeah. about this. Anyone that anyone that just hasn't just grown up in the Marvel universe realizes there's a parallel universe called the DC universe that Superman is the greatest superhero in, and his only weakness was a met a, a mineral from his own land called kryptonite, and it's become you know a saying that if something's your kryptonite, it's going to damage you. And I think for Labor governments, interest rates have been seen as political kryptonite. If you go back to Gough Whitlam, into Keating, and I remember, you know, when when John Howard was at his weakest, he pulled out the kryptonite against Mark Latham and said, who do you trust to keep interest rates low? And so he even used interest rates, which were rising under mm. a coalition government, to <laughs> break a Labor leader. So I, w- I was interested in the analogy. I thought the straw man is, is our interest rates Labor's kryptonite? I think the polling says not at this point, A, because people are blaming the government for the rising and they don't see the other side as doing any better. But I was interested in how, while kryptonite was meant to be this, um, the, the, this mineral that took away the powers of the great Superman, it never actually um, killed him. And my chat GTP <laughs> research had this beautiful line in it that said, in fact, kryptonite was just a theatrical, like it was a it was a dramatic device to create challenges that weren't otherwise there. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Um, because it does strike me that out of this, the long view is that the interest rates will remain high. Labor has got, in effect, a pretty good protective suit. Superman always used to have a lead suit. I think Jim Chalmers' suit is going to be his three R's. Um, let, let's spell them out. Rebuilding supply chains, restraining spending and relieving energy prices. Um, he's got a ready-made villain in Philip Lowe. If Philip Lowe wasn't there, you'd invent him as a, it's not me, it's somebody else. And I know that they're not doing that overtly, but the fact that he he, he, he set the expectations for it to remain low means that, you know, there is another player, not just the government in the piece, but also that people recognise that Labor isn't actually, um, when it comes to the economy after decades of globalisation, governments aren't superheroes and they can't actually hold it for themselves. So out of all this, I think, becomes an opportunity for Labor down the track. If they can keep the kryptonite, i.e. the interest rates at bay, it does open up those broader economic discussions, doesn't it? I know that Jim Chalmers has already opened up the superannuation. quite unconscionable superannuation tax concessions. The stage three tax is still on the table. No one's going to touch negative gearing until they have to. But if you think about it, if monetary policy is going to be just the only way of getting activity out of the economy, you can't really be pumping free money in at the other end. So I guess to torture the metaphor that, like Superman, there are ways that Labor can protect itself from the kryptonite. Kryptonite doesn't kill, it just forces the superhero to find new ways of going about their business. And there is the opportunity to use this crisis to reopen those conversations around the fiscal measures that are kind of really politically hard this term, but maybe compared to ongoing rising interest rates a more um, effective way, A, of dealing with the economy and B, of delivering a labour agenda. Mm. It's it's an interesting 
Yeah, it's an interesting thought because, uh, you know, it's sort of back to that adage of never never waste a good crisis, right? Um, like the best case scenario for the government is the one you've laid out, which is that the sort of return of inflation after such a long time, the sort of building uh, pressures associated with that then kind of re- sort of shines a light on the budget and create some opportunity to do some reform, which is otherwise difficult. Like that's, it's certainly a viable theory. I guess we just got to see how things play out over the coming months, which mm. sort of uh, the point I want to end on is Aston, which we'll do in a tick. But um, first of all, just before we get to Aston, which is the live action test of cost of living and how cranky people are and how they may exercise their vote accordingly, I also just very quickly want to get your thoughts on this whole uh, debate around the Reserve Bank's role. As you said, right, if they didn't have Philip Lowe there, they would have to invent him, right? He is this person. He's the flat catcher. He's he's the person who can wear the interest rate rises because, of course, he and the bank are the decision makers. Um, but I don't know. I don't know about you, but I think the whole conversation around the bank has been pretty wild, <laughs> really. Yeah. But we're talking cartoons, aren't we? Like this the way that we, you know, the, the media pack outside his house and, you know, the show trials, the televised Senate hearings, the the gotcha questions that never quite land, you know. What's the saying, Catherine? Um, politics is Hollywood yes. for ugly people. Yeah. It, 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 it's like we're, we, we've got to construct this into a, a drama and, that, and that's just the way that, you know, our sort of 24-hour news cycle culture over substance society works. But it is serving a political purpose for Labor. I don't think they're throwing him under a bus or anything, but they're they're letting it play out because it is a counterpoint. Um, most people have got no idea what the Reserve Bank's thinking about, but it is a remarkable institution, isn't it, because its policies are effectively dictates that take money out of the pockets of people and into, the, into banks. And so... It's got a massive impact on so many people's lives, as we see. It's interesting. I think Chalmers is playing a really interesting two-pace. He's being very clear and almost keating in trying to educate people on what the government can do while making it clear that the ultimate decision is, you know, by the bunch of bankers at the Reserve yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, uh, yeah, it's and maybe the answer to the question is really one you suggested there, which is sort of like, you know, this is really the first sort of live action kind of uh, inflation cycle that the bank has overseen, probably actually since the rise of the 24-7 media, because we really haven't had an inflation cycle like this for for, for quite a while. And in a way, stimulus stimulus is easier politics because it's who are you going to throw money yes. at to keep the economy going? Like stimulus is not as politically difficult. And the only criticism is going to be debt is yeah. huge and most people don't go, oh, my God, our national debt's gone up, whereas with monetary policy and interest rates, it, it does hit home, yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, well and truly. Anyway, that's, yeah, it's an interesting thought. I'm glad you said that because it's sort of, it's 
turned a light on in my brain. I was trying to work out why this is different. Why is this conversation mm. different from cycles in the past? I think we may have landed on answer there. So let's just speak of <laughs> in a roundabout our characteristic fashion. Um, let's let's end with Aston. So we've got a, an April Fool's by election in Aston. <laughs> Right in the uh, in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, this is bang. Yeah. The comic writers are oh, at it again. Truly, truly. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't you couldn't script this stuff. Anyway, look, there is to be a by election in commuter country in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, the opposition leader, Peter Dutton, is obviously staging this as the battle, the cost of living battle, right? Um, and obviously, there is a bit of cause for pause in our poll to the extent that. The coalition may be positioning to weaponise this issue, but there's not a groundswell there, you know, of sort of views waiting to be surfaced, right? If if people think, if people actually aren't looking to the Liberal Party to do a better job, then maybe the whole cost in of fact, living. In fact, on cost of living, they're eight points Yeah, down. so it's, so it's really interesting the, though, the, the, the interesting thing to watch is, so what's the pitch going to be? Is it just, well... And what was the crazy line they were doing last week? It was like whenever there's a Labor government, things go up yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know. Everything costs more under Labor. That's the line. That's the Aston line. That's the tagline. Everything everything costs more under Labor. You think this has got zero, zero resonance? May, may, maybe it'll work, but it it it, it really imp- it really demands that people's memory doesn't last a lap of the goldfish bowl. Like it's only how long since the last election when the other guys are in charge, less than a year. So you've got opposition that ran the economy for the best part of a decade, attributing everything that people woke up. There was a Labor government, forget about the, you know, the flow on of the pandemic, forget about the war in Ukraine, forget about anything other than the fact that Labor people are now sitting in the driver's seat and that's why prices are going up. Look, maybe it works. Maybe they can create some, you know, compelling memes that make people go, oh, my God, we better, you know, make sure that this guy, Peter Dutton, is going to be our next Prime Minister. But I I think there's a few jumps of logic before you get there. Mm, It'll be interesting, though, because you've you've made the point that uh, there's sort of mixed news for Labor in this poll to to some degree right people are people are hurting people are believing that to some degree at least the government's a factor the other kind of indicator we've got in this survey or really not just in this survey but in the last few surveys is that Anthony Albanese is sort of is coming off uh, the post election highs in terms like God, you'd still want his approval rating right now. You would still want that, right? I'm not suggesting that this is some thud to earth or voters have got baseball bats out because that's just nonsense, obviously, based on our numbers. So people, he's still sort of majority approval, but he's off the post-election highs. So Mm. then that's the sort of brew, I guess, for Aston, isn't it? It's like cost of living, PM's the sort of immediate post-election shines come off. Are you buying Anthony Albanese's sort of more complex descriptions of life, right, that life is you know, about these, these shocks that we're enduring? It's about, you know, what hasn't happened over the last decade that, that has rendered us more vulnerable. So context on Albo, he's 
he's 11 points higher than he was at the May election. So he was 41 at the election and then when he was in power he went up to yeah, 59. Yeah, he was right up. And he's yeah. down to 53. His net negative at the election when he won was 41. It's now 34. Again, it's gone up from 18 straight after the election. So that's kind of your honeymoon. Your honeymoon is over, but if you can if you can maintain approvals above 50 and disapprovals below 40, that's a pretty good place. Mm. You know, there are some leaders that, you know, we can remember one who barreled along at 60% approvals until the whole thing fell yeah. out, and that was Kevin Rudd, and you don't want to be that well, guy and, either. And Scott so, Morrison, and Scott Morrison, similar trajectory. Yeah, well, indeed. I think even looking at numbers, unless there was this catastrophic drop, is probably just hypotheticals at the moment. It's two years out until there's a vote again. The big question is what the government do over this period, and that's where... Managing economy is going to be really important, as is delivering on climate action, voice to parliament, making our services work in aged care, early learning, disability, hospital system in general. It's a gumbo, isn't it? And at times different issues become more important than others. We need to keep tracking this interest rate question. It was great that we um, sort of dug deep this week around the whole Philip Lowe goes to Canberra, little um, drama. But let's see how that lands over time um, because it is going to be one of the factors that does play in the lead-up to, God, 2025, 2025. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, whenever it is. Whenever long it is. way away. That's a, well, a long way away. And the trend is your friend, I think, is sort of the note we're ending on. We do need to watch how these how these, how these trends basically ebb and flow over time. Uh, so, anyway, thank you uh, very much for listening to us raving. Uh, thank you to uh, <laughs> Daniel Simo, who is producing this episode. Obviously, if you guys have got thoughts about the numbers or uh, your Aston by-election predictions or uh, whether or not uh, Batman and Superman should ever appear in the same column. You know where we are. We are uh, on the socials, except you're not, Peter. No, I I followed God off Twitter at the end of last year when Tweet of God disabled their account. Oh, my God. Right. Anyway, well, anyway, let me know and I'll let Peter know. We will be back (laughs) in a fortnight. Send me a letter. (laughs) We'll be back in a fortnight with another one of these polling episodes. And of course, I'll be back with you on Saturday. This Saturday will be one of the episodes we enjoy the most in terms of bringing to you. There will be an Ask Us Anything episode. You guys need to send in your questions. Uh, You can do that to me via my Twitter account, which is at Murfaroo. I think most people know that. I will actually do a call out over the next couple of days. But you can also send a question via email to australia.podcast at theguardian.com. So that's, again, australia.podcasts at theguardian.com. Send in your questions, uh, you know, make them punchy, make them funny, and uh, we will enjoy answering them for you on Saturday. Uh, Until we meet again, take care.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.